Humanity and God, in some ways, you know, we were created to blend with God. And probably can't see this or zoom in with the camera that far, but this is about like 80%, 90% blended. And it's not because uh, I didn't put it in long enough or this isn't strong enough of a blender, but it's missing something. There's a component that's missing. And we're going to discuss what that component is in our passage today. Our passage, I'm going to read from the first four verses. It's 1 John 4, 7 through 21, and it says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God, knows God, and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As you see in that passage, um, if you've turned to that, 1 John 4, 7 through 21, and if those of you online um, have turned to that, you can see the word love, 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 love everywhere in that passage. Um, even, you know, the whole passage, but even just these first four verses, the word love is mentioned a lot of times. And I think to best understand uh, this passage, we need to know what is the definition of love. So love, uh, the word is agape in the original language in Greek. It says the quality of warm regard for and interest in another. Esteem, affection, regard, love without limitation to very intimate relationships and very seldom in general Greek of sexual attraction. Uh, I found another definition that I think makes it more simple. Love seeks good for the object loved. Again, it's love seeks good for the object loved. And this definition, I think, helps us to see that in the passage, this isn't talking about a romantic love. It's not talking about a sexual love. It's a love that is unconditional. And that's the kind of love that God has for us as a created. God loves us and is seeking good for us. In the first four verses, it's evident that God loves us, okay? God loves us. I hope that, if anything you know, God loves you. There's nothing that we can do or ever will do that would change that. God loves us. It's, if you uh, come into church and listen to my sermon very attentively, that's not going to make God love you even more. Or if you uh, remember to throw away your bulletins instead of leaving in the pews, God's not going to love you more for doing that. Kevin might love you more for doing that. But we can't earn our way into God's love. On the flip side, too, is that everything that we've done in our past, everything that we will do in the future, that won't separate us from God's love. The only way that we would be separated from God's love is if we willingly chose to do that in some way. And so, I hope that that's freeing for all of you today as you hear this, that God loves you. It's no matter what you've done, what you will do, what you've done in the past, God loves you. You know, for me, as uh, someone who's a people pleaser, I, I struggle with that sometimes. I struggle thinking, oh, how can I make God love me even more? Am I doing my daily devotions? Am I doing this, this, or this? But no, that's not the point. God loves us and wants to spend time with you. And we just want to be able to make that connection in any way possible. 
Some of you might have that uh, inclination. Some of you might be a different scale on the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram 9. I know some of you like that Enneagram scale. And um, my sign's a Taurus. I'm a Zodiac of a Ram. Just kidding. None of that really matters. Because God loves me no matter what label I put on myself, no matter what label anyone has put on me. God loves me. And so as we can dive more into how God loves us, let's look deeper into verses 9 through 10. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See that it says his son twice. That God sent his son. God sent his son. There's a very popular Bible verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And that's been repeated on and on and on and on. So you should all probably know that God sent his son because he loves us. But sit on that. God sent his son. What does that mean? And, you know, as we look into scripture, as we keep on diving into different passages week after week, we get to see more of that picture. What does that mean that God loves us? This is showing a love of a father. Father's Day, love of the fathers. A few weeks ago, I, my daughter, Emma, she had a fever. And so the next day, I went to check up on her to see how she was doing. Her fever was really hot still, and so I went to get a thermometer, and she started making these throw-up like motions. And so I was thinking to myself, oh, I got to catch this. And just as I was about to do that, she started uh, convulsing. Her eyes rolled into her head. And um, <clears throat> she uh, started to, like, seize. And as a father, that, that was really scary. I think that you don't realize how much you love something until that might be taken from you. And so the love of a father, I... I I've learned about this a little bit more in a different way. That God loves his son Jesus. To send Jesus to die for our sins, to die for my sins, that's a different kind of love. Emma's fine now. <laughs> She's back to her jolly old self. She's uh, going crazy, making our lives a little hectic. But um, in the midst of that, you know, I, I was reflecting and seeing how God loves us as a father. And there's this point that I, I was reflecting and thinking about this love and realizing that my love for Emma, my love for my other daughter, Ellis, my love for my wife, Grace, it's nothing compared to God's love for you, God's love for me, God's love for us. That's nothing. It's like comparing a grain of sand to a mountain. You can't compare our love and God's love. It just doesn't make sense. And so I want you to think right now, what are things that you love? Who are the people that you love? And think about that emotion or those feelings that go with that love. That that's a grain of sand compared to God's love for you. I think that a question then springs into my mind. Why does God allow for bad things to happen in my life? Why does God allow for bad things to happen in my life if he loves me so much? And I found a, a pretty good response. I know it's kind of long, and you might not be able to read it on the screen, so I'll read it for you. It says this. If you are a victim of someone else's moral evil, then either Jesus pays for it with his death, 
or sits as a judge and punishes the person responsible. He will either judge or justify every person who ever lived. Jesus is also the solution for natural evil. His resurrected body cannot die, get sick, or be corrupted in any way. This demonstration gives us an answer to those who are suffering from physical or natural evil. The blind shall receive their sight, the deaf shall hear, the crippled shall walk, the mentally handicapped shall think clearly. More than that, there will be no more tsunamis to kill thousands of people, no more hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, sickness, disease, no more shootings. All things that will be not just restored to their state before the fall, but will attain the good purpose for which they were created. Jesus overcame both moral and physical natural evil. He alone is the solution. And that long paragraph, all that to say is that Jesus is the solution. Jesus is the answer to that question of why does God allow for bad things to happen in my life? Jesus, God gave us the solution to that problem, is that there's Jesus. And in the end, if we are able to accept God's love, there's only victory waiting for us. So I hope that you remember that God loves you. This brings me to the next point and the next section, is that we need to receive God's love. We need to receive God's love. God loves us, and we need to receive that. Let me read that passage. It says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I'm going to pause here, but uh, there is a lot of repetition in Scripture for a reason. It wants you to focus on things. So if you hear things repeating, try to focus on it. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit that we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. So through this next section, I, I want to remind us that we need to receive God's love. In that passage, you see that receiving God's love allows for God's love to be complete. Receiving God's love allows God's love to be complete. And for us to live in God and God in us, we need to receive God's love. We can only see and testify if we receive God's love. Because there's a, a verse that says, see and testify. That's only possible if you receive God's love. And in order to truly love, we must receive God's love first. And so to go further into why we need to receive God's love is because God is love. It's like, how are you able to mow the lawn um, if you know, how do you know if you're doing it right? Only if somebody taught you. And the best way to learn about mowing the lawn is from the person who created the lawnmower. So receiving God's love, the best way to love is to receive God's love. It's critical. There's so many platforms right now telling us to love, telling us to um, love ourselves and how to love others. But it, it's all meaningless if we don't receive God's love because that, it, we don't understand that. The other part of receiving God's love is, is that it's difficult because part of receiving God's love is receiving love from others. We can 
um, only do so much on our own. And so some of you might be in a situation where you need to receive God's love. And there might be something that be, that's blocking you from receiving love from others, receiving love from God. And it might be many reasons. It might be um, that you're feeling inadequate, that you don't want to be vulnerable. Maybe you're in a situation where your marriage is not doing so well. Maybe you're in a situation where you're in financial trouble. Maybe you're in a place where you're recovering from sickness, and it would just help to have one extra meal and not worry about that. And that's the hard part, is that people can't read your mind. We need to reach out to them sometimes to ask for love and receive it that way. For me, sometimes it feels like a monumental task to ask for help to receive love. One of the, the most recent examples that I can remember is when we were in the hospital because of Emma's fever, um, of her seizing, and we were, it was hitting that time where it was about 12 o'clock, and we were wondering, what do we do for lunch? And so I messaged Pastor Kelly, and she gladly offered to pick up some lunch for us. And not only did she pick up lunch, she asked us what we wanted and went above and beyond what we asked for. She didn't go and look for the cheapest thing on the menu. She actually went and got the best things for us. And so through that experience of receiving Kelly's love, that's how I learned that God goes beyond what we expect. I learned a little bit about God's love. And so if you're able to receive love from others, maybe it teaches you a little bit about God's love. There's another example of when I, dumbly enough, had my keys in my trunk at Mariano's, and for some reason, I shut the trunk. And so I was calling Grace, saying, uh, I don't know what to do. Maybe if you uh, click the clicker through the phone, there will be a signal that I received. That didn't work. And so we were in a bind. We were wondering, do we call AAA? Do we do this or this? And then I remembered, Damon actually lives pretty close to us. Um, and so I called Damon. He actually picked up, and I asked if he could drive our spare key over because Grace had to watch Emma at that time. And so Damon was willing to do that. He drove all the way from Aurora, all the way to Mariano's, while I waited and waited, and finally he came, and finally I was able to open my car. But I, I had to reach out. I had to receive Damon's love, and that was a difficult thing for me. Um, and through that experience, I learned that God's love is reliable. Just like Damon is reliable, God's love is reliable. And so again, there are these different life experiences that you can have if you receive love from others, if you receive love from God. Now, there might be some concern between the line of being a freeloader and <laughs> accepting love. So what is that line between receiving too much love and asking for help too much? Um, what is that line between you actually need help? Um, I think the answer is that there's a mutual relationship. There's a mutual relationship between uh, receiving love and giving love. I'll say that again. There's a mutual relationship between receiving love and giving love. And we see this relationship through the passage. Um, Let's go to verse 17. It says this. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That, at first glance, that verse might be a little confusing. What does that mean, in this world, we are like Jesus? 
And so I, I found a response to that. Um, it says this. This does not mean that we have attained his, Jesus, perfection, but we stand in relation to God the same way that Christ does. And in this way, we are like him. I'll say it again. We stand in relation to God the same way that Christ does. And in this way, we are like him. Those who are indwelt by God have a relationship with their judge that is characterized by love. It is this love that allows a believer to have confidence when looking toward that day of judgment. Through loving, we have confidence that Jesus will invite us into heaven. It's a weird relationship where, through loving, we receive the love of Christ. And just like that, there's love between Jesus and God. It isn't so much that God sent Jesus and Jesus was unwilling to do that. Jesus willingly did that. And it was both their expression of love for us. We can learn more about that line as we go through Scripture. And again, as we receive love. We see that God loves us. We need to receive love. And I think the next step is that we need to complete God's love. Let's read 1 John 4, 18 through 21. It says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So this part of the passage, it's focusing on fear. It's focusing on hate. And I think essentially what's, what it's boiling down to is what is the motivation behind your love? What is the motivation behind your love? John gives us this motivation in verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And that love that God has given us, it's contagious in such a way where it makes us want to shower that love on others. I don't know if you've uh, experienced that type of contagious love before, but I hope in some place in your life that you have experienced that. Maybe it's... uh, receiving love from grandparents that have watched your kids over the weekend. And by doing that, hopefully that encourages you to do that for your kids in the future. Or maybe it's a a different way of, maybe your car was stuck along the side of the road and somebody drove up and helped you. And in that case, it encourages you to want to spread that love as well. So loving others is completing God's love. We know that God loves us. We know that we need to receive it, and now we know that we have to complete God's love. Maybe you're feeling inadequate or unable to love in this season of life, but I, I believe, again, that there's a line to receiving and there's a line to when we give love. And so I hope that we understand that line as we dive more into Scripture, as we live life alongside with Christ. There's this book I've been reading by Bob Goff. His book says uh, it's by... It says, titled, Love Does. Um, And so he's talking about his wedding cake that's dropped into a parking lot. And he uses this life experience to explain um, a little bit about love. So again, the things that we experience in life teaches us about love. So I realize the font is a little small, so I'm going to read it out loud. Um, But try to follow along. It says this. Jesus seemed to say that all we would need to do is to scrape together the pieces of our lives that had fallen on the ground. 
bring those pieces to him, and he would start using them. Jesus didn't say he would ice over the grit of faults and failures either. He said he would use us in spite of the grit and failures and faults. What we would have to do is decide to move from the parking lot to the party. And he said we can't do that just by believing all the right stuff anymore. Jesus said he'd help us start doing the right stuff. At some point, I stopped staring at the pile of broken cake on the asphalt that my life and decided to get some skin in the game. My life had not been shattered into many pieces by a massive tragedy, but it consisted of as many disorganized pieces as it would have been. I simply decided that I wasn't going to let the residual rocks and small pieces of gravel get in the way of me getting served up and used. It has always seemed to me that broken things, just like broken people, get used more. It's probably because God has more pieces to work with. And so if you're in this place of feeling inadequate, um, you don't have enough time in your schedule, you don't uh, know how to love, God can use whatever little bit that you give to love others, to complete God's love. Any little bit that you're able to give, God can use it. And so what excuses do we give instead of loving others? What excuses do we give for that broken relationship in our lives that we just don't want any part of. We want to be stubborn and not actually work towards it. What excuses are we giving ourselves today to not love somebody in our life? Maybe you've gotten in an argument with somebody and that argument is causing you to hold on to the anger, the hate, instead of loving. I sometimes fall into that trap of holding on to things that, um, that uh, I had negative feelings towards and use that to blind myself into figuring out ways to love people. Sometimes I make the excuse of being too busy. Um, I have this, this, this on my plate. Right after work, I'm going to go take care of the kids, and after that, I'm going to sleep. Um, it feels to me that I don't have much room in my schedule to love others. But I think as we read more and more into Scripture, God encourages us to be intentional with every aspect of our life. How can you be intentional in the midst of your busyness, in the midst of maybe you're loving people a lot, but maybe there's another way that you can be intentional to love others. Again, you have to know for yourself which stage of life you're in, which season that you're in. Are you in a stage of life where you're trying to learn about God's love? Are you in a stage of life where you're trying to receive God's love? Are you in a stage of life where you can start completing God's love? God loves us so much that God provides many different opportunities to love somebody. Maybe it's just saying hi to somebody at church and they've had a bad day. Maybe there are ways that you're able to love on others and you don't know everything that's behind that. Maybe it's just holding somebody's baby. You can hold my babies. Maybe it's, uh, it's um, calling up somebody you haven't talked to in a long time today or even just writing a, a, a Father's Day, Happy Father's Day to your father. We need to be on the lookout and be intentional in blending with God through love. So I hope that you remember after today these three things. God loves us, receive God's love, and complete God's love. Again, remember this thing is not a full smoothie. It was missing one component. The blueberries are us, the banana is God. What is it missing? It's missing love. And so this liquid... If you think of it as love, us as the blueberries, God as a banana, blending together.
We're blended together with God through love. And I hope that that helps remind you that we need love. We need to receive God's love. We need to uh, know that God loves us, and we need to complete God's love in order to be blended with Christ. Love helps us blend with God. What are you going to do today with God's love? Let's pray.